You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young. We are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan, and we are here with a good friend, Kyle Annable from StormTech. Now, Back in 1977, Blake, uh, which is Kyle's father, began designing and manufacturing sports equipment and apparel in Western Canada for specialty retailers and corporate clients. What began as a small business venture eventually grew to become one of the largest privately owned and operated international apparel companies, which is incredible. Now, this company is named Storm Tech, which we have all their gear. So when you're done with this and you want to buy it all, just call me because it's freaking awesome. Um, But they got their first big break when, you know, a popular gym bag they made got picked up by a local department store. You know, the rest, as they say, is history. Storm Tech continues to write the book in our industry with designs and really an eye on sustainability. There's stuff, if you want to throw brands out that you might be familiar with if you've never heard of them, North Face, North Face Patagonia, though the quality of that, StormTech is that and better. And if you don't believe me, schedule a meeting in my showroom and I'll show you. It's freaking awesome. Um, but Kyle is has been a part of this organization. We've gotten to know, know him for a long time. Their team has been amazing. And he's going to tell us a little bit more about this story. But thank you so much, Kyle, for joining us on this episode of the Brand Builders Podcast. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. It's a it's a huge honor. Always great to catch up with you guys. Uh, appreciate the opportunity to be here today. Um, I didn't know that you were going to go so in depth. You've really done your history. Was that did Mark Chip Chase, our, our rep in your area, fill you in on that? Oh yeah, he's he very, wrote the he's, intro. He's very good, yeah. man. And that's, I'll be honest. That's how we discovered uh, your line with old Marky. Mm-hmm. So um, he he does a great job with it, and uh, we're we're so thankful for our relationship uh, with both of you guys. Absolutely. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. I, I appreciate you saying that. I know Mark will too. And yeah, it's been. Uh, it's been an incredible journey, you know, and it's, it is still a family owned and operated business. So I'm, I'm involved. My, uh, you know, people who have been in the industry, including yourselves will know that my twin brother, Sean is involved in the business, which is always interesting when we're at, uh, trade shows and people think, you know, he's got a shaved head. He's bald. Let's call it what it is. Uh, you know, they get confused with, uh, with who they're speaking with, but you know, that's all, that's all part of the fun, right? And it and it uh, it was founded by my my father Blake uh, forty six years ago, basically selling, you know, God knows what to to sporting goods dealers back then. You know, I, I saw a picture that was like shoe polish and knee pads the other day. <laughs> and my so my cool. sister who's all, who does all the photography in the uh, uh, for the catalog and the website, she was trying on the latest goggles that we were selling back then. But that was that was before my time. Uh, but Sean and I, yeah, Sean and I started working for the business a long time ago, you know, in between uh, summer breaks, we'd go into the the warehouse and pick and pack some of the orders. I remember racing to pack as many jackets in and hang tag them as quickly as possible. There was probably a lot of mispicks back then. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess um, a big break when the uh, when the breweries in Canada started to crack down on on the budget that you could spend for um, you know uh, for for radio and TV, so that really opened up an opportunity for us to push into promotional products. And it's funny because we we pushed into bags, as you mentioned, but most people don't think of StormTech as a bag supplier currently. You know, they think of us as a as a jacket supplier, but bags is actually the second largest category for us in in the United States. So it's kind of come come full circle. But uh, yeah, it's, it's been an incredible run, you know, 
Uh, now in 50 countries around the world, we, we opened up a distribution center in Europe last year. Uh, we, we have a facility and, and sales office in the UK, and we just opened up our first U.S. distribution center, go figure, uh, in the United States uh, this past summer as well. So the U.S. is a, is a big focus for us right now. Tell us, yeah, go ahead. Tell uh, us, a, go ahead. All right, tell us a little bit about you know when we have conversations, and, and really even people that walk into our our showroom, right? Maybe they're familiar with the other brands that I had mentioned. Maybe they've never heard of you, right? But you guys do have a global presence. I know that that the United States is a territory that you want um, to continue to grow in. Tell us a little bit about kind of your market share specifically in in these categories over in Europe. I know we had had conversations where it's a brand that more people know probably in Europe than they do in the United States. Tell us kind of where you guys are on that kind of global spectrum of your brand compared to some of those other ones that we mentioned. Well, it's, I would say the promotional products industry in Europe is not in its, in its infancy, but it's in a different part of its trajectory, right? It's a little bit more developed, I'd say in North America and Canada, we have a very large share of the market. It's still our, our biggest, our biggest market. The U S market is, is, uh, is going to be our fastest and currently is our fastest growing market. But as you mentioned, we don't have the brand cachet in the U.S. market as we do uh, in, in Canada, right? So, and that becomes a challenge when you're selling up against the, the Marmots and the Ellie Hansons and the Columbias and the North Bases and the Patagonias of the world. But, um, you know, they've invested, they invest hundreds of millions of dollars in brick and mortar presence in, in marketing. And, and that's been a real it's brick and mortar retail business has been really challenging, right? Especially throughout COVID, some of the, you know, the, 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 the pattern of purchasing online was kind of accelerated. So we're not investing as heavily as those guys are in, in, in marketing. And because of that, we don't have the same share of the retail market. And, you know, are we going to, are we going to jump in with both feet in the direct to consumer channel? Probably not, because there's still so much low-hanging fruit for us in the corporate channel. And a lot of those retail brands that pushed in, uh, you know, pushed in the corporate channel before pandemic have have kind of pulled out, right? A lot of these brands, and I won't mention them, they, they're not making inventory in the corporate channel. They're implementing really strict co-branding restrictions. And that has allowed us to steal a lot of market share, specifically from those retail brands uh, in the U.S. In Europe... Those are big brands, but they also have their own really high-end brands that a lot of a lot of people in the United States have never heard of. There's a lot of really great, uh, you know, ski gear, for example, from from Scandinavian brands that we've never heard of. So um, we're still uh, we're still a small player in Europe, but in the corporate channel, there's really not a lot of product like that over there. And and I would argue. In the U.S., it's a challenge as well to get your hands on, on on the types of products that we're servicing in the market. So where we where we um, really excel is with global programs because we can offer the same product in Canada, the United States, Europe, APEC, all, all over the world because uh, the company is either registered, our company is either registered in those countries, or we have uh, uh, distri- distribution pro- partners who are actually stocking the product. So that's where we kind of that's where we kind of really leverage our global reach. At this point, um, it looks like you guys were born in 1977, or the company was. That was the year I was born. So you're 46 years old, coming up on. Well, a, not me. Yeah, well, your company your company is 46 years old, coming up on 50 years. 
Um, that's that's remarkable for one, and still a family business. And it looks like you and your brother and and your sisters involved too um, are going to take the reins and, and keep growing this thing. Uh, in today's time, what is your main role with the company? Um, what does your day to day look like? Oh my gosh! Well, the funny thing is, you know, we um, it's family owned and operated, but we surpassed uh, a big milestone last year. We did 100 million in, in sales globally, which is wow. a, I know it's not not a not wow. a lot compared to the billion dollar wholesalers that we're oh, competing that's against. That's a that's big a number, no matter how you look at it. Yeah, but it was a, it was a big milestone for us. But congratulations. Yeah. We, we, we still wear a lot of hats. My brother and I, we still wear a lot of hats. So what does my day-to-day look like? I mean, you you take your pick. What day of the week? Uh, you know, we've got, I'm involved in the marketing side of things. I'm involved in customer. We have a weekly call with customer service, operations. Um, I, I'm still customer facing, obviously. I'm, I'm hosting a webinar uh, next week, which is actually sold out, uh, but we'll, we'll post another date. Um, you know, it's, it, it's really... It's it's a lot of I would say more on the op side now and more on the marketing side and more on the product development side. I think we've done a really good job of hiring the right people uh, to to take off, take some of the responsibility off of my plate. And my my challenge now is just l- learning to let go and delegate. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big um, challenge, I think, yeah, for most so, people. So, right. So more, I'm still customer facing, but more on the operation side, more on the marketing side, product development, that type of thing. How many people do you guys employ? Uh, in Vancouver, there's probably about 150. Uh, in uh, in Toronto, there's I think 12 or 13. U.S. There's only a handful of people, uh, the employees that we have in the U.S. We have a lot of contract, uh, you know, multi-line reps, uh, 1099 reps, and then in the U.K., it's probably about 10 people as well. So all told, somewhere around 180 people, not including the multi-line reps that we have. Wow. 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 Are you guys doing any private label type stuff for, for other big brands or is it just a strong focus on your storm tech brand? Yeah, we've, it's, we, we do a lot of custom private label, but not for, you know, other apparel brands. We do them for, you know, our corporate brands. Right. And I I won't name them, but uh, there's a lot of, really uh you know big brands in the united states that want to put their best foot forward when it comes to their um you know their 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 brands and, and in some cases you know i i give the example of like nasa right like nasa was a big company they started getting into merch and now like you see people walking around with nasa t-shirts it's cool right so we're it's hip so we're we've done private label for some brands like that companies like that that have really figured out a way to monetize their brand through merch. Um, and that, that I love that. That's the part of the business that, that I am involved in. I work very closely with Britton Thaler, who's our, who's our uh, sourcing manager for that type of business. She's, she's an absolute rock star. I love that. And I think that's kind of, we've had those conversations a lot with, with organizations uh, every day is, is it's moving into more of that private label, right? Taking that next step. Uh, you guys do an amazing job with every type of decoration method you could imagine. We saw some of it yesterday, some new things, right, that are super exciting, and we can't wait to bring that to the table. But I want to kind of go a different direction here. You guys have really made a commitment not only to the environment, but designing, you know, gear that people want to wear that lasts. You have a five-year warranty on all of your jackets. And it seems like you guys have been very intentional about 
focusing in the promotional product space, right? Working with the corporations and, and enabling a retail brand to have the ability to create something that's very unique. On the other hand, and we won't mention names, but there are brands that have completely gone the other direction and have, have, have been interviewed saying, well, it's promotional products and I don't want a logo on it because it'll get thrown in the trash and we're all about sustainability and eco and we don't want something to be in the trash. And obviously I completely disagree with that uh, statement, but it is the direction that that organization has gone. Tell me about why your company has stayed focused into this and really in, in your mind, why branded merch is so important and why your brand enables people to put on things that they love, that they want to wear, that's functional. I can put your three-in-one on with a T-shirt, and it can be zero degrees. <laughs> the sure. thing's right. unbelievable. I love it. Right. It doesn't snow enough here, though, so it sits in my closet a lot. <laughs> but if it well, does, I, mean, I am ready, baby. <laughs> when you go to Vancouver, yeah, we I take am, a tour I am of this. ready. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I mean, part of it is, again, the the – the barrier for entry, right? If we wanted to go after the brick and mortar retail business, it's difficult for me to go to uh, Dix or REI and say, hey, you know the North Face brand? Maybe you just push that aside and set up a little spot here for Storm Tech. We'd have to enter into a contract that would be a guaranteed spend. Mm -hmm. So part of it is this, this lower hanging fruit, which is the promotional products industry that we we want to become and I think we've we've done this, established ourselves as the premier brand, outerwear brand in 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 the promotional product space, right? I think that's been our focus, and 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 to help sort of elevate the expectations of what promotional apparel means, because it wasn't that long ago where promotional apparel was, hey, let's get a T-shirt, let's slap you know slap all kinds of funky logos on it, you know, it's a blank canvas, let's put logos. That's never been our mo, never will be our mo. So part of it is being a leader in the space when it comes to that and, and help changing the misconceptions about, about what the promotional products industry is. And, and, and there are some of those misconceptions that still exist today about, okay, that's just a cheap and cheerful industry where, and, and, and I'm, I'm very happy to see that the trend is towards more of the higher end product, more the sustainability is, is substantially on the rise. I think it was a quarter, like 20% of all sales last year in promotional products. But I'm always amazed because we've hired people from the North Face, from Herschel, from Arcteryx. And so many of these people come into our industry and they are completely oblivious to the fact that there is a $23, $24 billion industry called the promotional products industry. So we, 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 as you mentioned, we would put our products up against the North Face, Patagonia, Hellyhands, all those brands any day, uh, of the week, but those brands, uh, you know, they're, they're not focused on this industry. We want to be the leader in this industry in the promotional apparel space. I think we've done a really good job, uh, uh, of doing that. And the next step is helping to steer the industry towards a more sustainable business model, which I hope we can talk about today. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, let's talk about it now. Yeah. Let's Fill us in, in a little bit. Let us know. Yeah. And, and I, Again, the stats show that this is this is a direction that the consumer is is headed toward, um, and that's when you reach the tipping point, right? When the general consumer is is demanding that the brand is is sustainably sourced, and there's a lot of great companies uh, in our industry that have done a really good job of building out their uh, eco collections, and and we have too. So we have a collection called the Pure Earth Collection. 
Um, but it's really more of a, it's, it's less of a collection just to check the box, if I can, if I can put it that way. It's really a long-term product development strategy and, and sourcing strategy and really the way that we want to conduct our business moving forward. Uh, in a more sustainable way. So using recycled polyester, using sustainably sourced uh, cotton, but but it goes well beyond that. sustainable packaging, uh, you know, making sure that you're using paper and wood products in, in a way that uh, preserves the, the, the forests. So we want to be um, one of the leaders in the sustainable space as well when it comes to the promotional products industry to combat those misconceptions, uh, uh, Brian and Scott, that you were talking about uh, that exist, unfortunately, uh, um, to this day about the promotional products industry and the waste that's created. I want to mention one thing. So, and, and this isn't for every brand, but there are a lot of retail brands that enter our space and they have their cool little icon on it, but that product is completely different than what they sell in retail. Completely right. different. I have at least once a day, Hey, I found this awesome bag or this awesome jacket, but do, do you carry this one? And then you start to look and you're like, I don't. And then you start to look at both the products and you realize very quickly that the option that that brand entered into our space is significantly less quality than what they're selling in the retail space. So although the logo is the same, the quality of the product is not the same. And that's really unfortunate for a company that might love a brand and want to go that route. And we almost have to actively sell against it. Like that's not going to be the same thing that you see at right. Sporting Goods, even though it looks like it is. You guys have seemed to do the opposite where you guys are focusing on quality, sustainability. Ultimately, you're focusing on giving them something that they absolutely fall in love with and they want to wear every day and then they want to buy another one. Tell yeah. us about the direction of your company where you really do focus on the service and quality aspect of it, but your goal is to put out the best product. And I'll, I'll tell you right now, one of the products I love the most is the Avalanche quarter zip that you guys have come out yep. with through Pure Earth. <laughs> I have a sample. I show it, I think, every day. It might be the best damn quarter zip in the world. Like, it is unbelievable, right? And it's sustainable. So when people get yep. to touch and feel that, they're like, hold up, this is still made from eco? And I'm like, Yeah. I'm like, we, we're checking yeah. all the boxes. Let's do this. So just, I'd love to hear your, your, your kind of response to that because it seems like if a big retail brand enters, it's like, okay, well, we'll just do a really cheap ass polo and throw our logo right. on which it. Is, like, which is, which is our totally, name's great. Yeah. Which, which is totally antagonistic to sustainability in general, right? Yes. Because, and because you want to make a product that is timeless, that is high quality, that's not going to fall apart. And I would argue that that is probably the most important thing. If you wanted to sort of break the cycle, the harmful cycle of, of associated with the ecological footprint of, of buying apparel, you know, yes, it's great if you can buy something that's recycled polyester. It's great if you could buy something that's made from sustainably sourced cotton. But the single most important thing you can do is buy a high quality product that's going to last, right? And that's that's been something that, serves as sort of the bound the, the the backbone of the foundation of our product development strategy since day one. We want to make products that last. And we hear stories about somebody who's worn our products for five years, 10 years, in some cases 15 years, and it's still their favorite jacket. That's the kind of stuff we we love to love to hear. And we kind of have a slogan. We don't we don't put it in any outbound marketing materials, but what we always say is when I onboarding somebody or a new 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 uh, you know sales rep or something, we we make products you want to wear, not products you have to wear. And unfortunately, 
there's a lot of apparel companies uh, in our industry that that do the latter, right? And it's like, oh great, I got my polo slapped on, um, slap my logo on here. I, I absolutely hate it. It fits like a box, and um, that that if you think about it, that's the direction that some retail brands have to take, right? Because they have to sell it to their retailers. Oh, don't worry, we're not going to impact your business retailer because. We're just going to make this crappy product available, just a strategic takedown to the promotional products. You wouldn't want to sell this product anyways. And that's unfortunately the mentality that some retail brands take when it comes to the promotional products industry. And again, you know, we love hearing that. You probably don't <laughs> like hearing that because your client is clamoring Warning for a particular brand. brand and they get it and they think it's subpar. But it opens up a huge opportunity for us to 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 uh, come into the market with a completely different mindset, and that's what we've done for forty five years, and that's why we you know continue to grow leaps and bounds. Yeah, I love that. I want to kind of go a different direction quickly on on kind of like a personal note. We heard some cool stories, but you know, I think any privately held company, specifically one that can last as long as y'all have um, and be over a hundred million, it takes a leader. It takes somebody that has a great personality, somebody that can connect. And it seems like your father has that ability. Mark Chip Chase, who is a good friend of ours, said that he could go into any room and, and become friends with anybody. And the grapevine told us that he's now really good friends with Russell Crowe. So if you can become friends with Russell Crowe, <laughs> I don't know about then, good friends. Then, then you, <laughs> well, then we'll just say friends. It doesn't matter. He's got his cell phone number. All right, it's on. But tell us about your father in general, and you can go into the Russell Crowe thing if you want. If not, that's fine. But tell us about him, how he really created the business, and how you and your siblings have 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 kind of taken the reins and and continued to run with that. And it just seems like a great person that genuinely cares. And, and is a, obviously works hard, but somebody that can can become friends with anyone. Yeah, and I would say just in, in general terms, it's, you know, it's, it's easier to create a corporate culture that, you know, I appreciate that resonates with a lot of the talent that we try to recruit in the industry that, 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 that would resonate with you, you guys as well, when you're a family-owned and operated business. It's a little bit different, a little bit more challenging when it's a uh, you know, when it's owned by private equity and, and, uh, unfortunately, you know, I don't, I don't want to disparage any companies, but unfortunately with private, with uh, sometimes when private equity comes in, it's short-term, you know, short-term game, right? I mean, it's, they, they're not thinking the long run, whereas we are, and that's, and that's something that I think has been instilled in, in us from our father was, you know, you have to create a culture that people want to come to work every day. They have to be intrinsically motivated to 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 support your brand. Uh, there's the saying paralysis by analysis, and and we try to avoid that. So I'm never breathing down anybody's neck. My father is never breathing down my neck, uh, and and people want to come to work every day. And that's the type of culture that we're building at StormTech. That's the type of culture I I think we've successfully built. There was a something that was posted on LinkedIn the other day. I'll send you guys the, the video. It was kind of talking about the, the community, the culture. And that all comes from the top down. And I always say, and this is something that was instilled in me by my dad, was uh, you want to come to work for StormTech, you check your ego at the door. Any, it's it, the best idea in the room wins. Uh, we have town hall meetings uh, regularly where we, where we meet with the entire, every single department. I'm on a call every single day with every single department. Everybody has the opportunity to voice their opinions, voice their concerns, voice their ideas, and they know that they're going to be heard. And 
And uh, that's that's a testament, I think, to, to Blake and a testament to uh, the team that we've that we've built over the last, I mean, 45 years for my father and 13 to 17 years for, for my brother and I. But that 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 comes from from Blake, my, my father. Is he still actively in the company? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very active in uh, more so on the product development and the marketing side. So uh, that those are his. I would he'd probably tell you as well. Those are his two strengths, and that's where he's very, very much involved. So if you love the product, you should give the kudos to to Blake and obviously our, our product development team. We do love the product. We love the product. Yeah. <laughs> so kudos. Last time we yes. met, uh, which was last year, you had talked um, a lot about you know, the challenges that your organization went through during COVID, but really how you guys bet on yourself. You brought in a lot of stock. When you knew things were going haywire, you brought it in quicker. You you understood the long term instead of the, oh my gosh, we don't know what's going to happen. Let's just pause everything. Instead, you guys went to action. You, you decided, look, we believe in the product. This is what we're going to do. Tell me a little bit about, I just want listeners to hear that story uh, of how you, you challenged yourself as a company to be successful yeah. And I think a couple of years down the road now it's paid off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, hindsight's 2020, you know, now <laughs> we can say it was a great idea, but <laughs> you know, years ago you would have said, God, you're crazy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we were, we were in a unique situation from a, from a, a supply chain standpoint, right? We were, we're a Vancouver based company. Vancouver is a port city. Uh, you know, so, so we benefit from not having the congestion that, that a lot of your U S suppliers were dealing with in, um, Long Beach, California, which is the primary hub for, for most of your U S suppliers, but also because it's a port city, we, we weren't impacted by the train, the issues with the train strikes and things like that. Right. So even some of our competitors in Canada have their distribution centers in the East. So product would come in through Vancouver and it would have to go by train to the East. So we were we were in a very strategically advantageous location geographically in Vancouver, which allowed us to um, to to invest in inventory. Uh, and we we bet on ourselves and we took a risk. We when a lot of suppliers were canceling their purchase orders uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, we doubled and tripled our spend. You know, in fact, we're, we and we've maintained that that purchasing pattern. So we have bought, we've bought 70% more inventory than we sold last year. So we're banking on a lot of growth. Uh, and fortunately we're, we're seeing the growth. Um, but because of that strategic uh, advantage geographically, uh, we were able to get our product a lot faster, a lot quicker, a lot more efficiently. And we had inventory on the shelf when a lot of suppliers didn't, but also we had the types of products that people were looking to buy, right? People were not buying commodity, cheap and cheerful, uniform type product. If they were buying anything, yeah, the, the quantities might've been down, but they were buying something nicer, right? If, think of all the people that were furloughed at the beginning of the pandemic. Those that stuck around, you didn't want to give them a stress ball. Hey, we know your life is stressful. <laughs> yeah. You know, here's a, here's a nice thing to keep you around. No, it was, hey, look, you're a value add to this organization. And we want to get you something really nice. And because you're working from home, why don't you get a nice jacket that you can go hiking with your friends in? So we we had we invested in the inventory and we had the products that people were looking to buy throughout COVID. And and we had record back to back to back record growth years throughout pandemic. Yeah. Congratulations, Amazing. man. Because that story I feel like is pretty rare in our industry. It's been a tough three years, right? 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's there's but, some that you know, some that really capitalized on uh, you know PPE sales, for example, and and we did. I mean, in the, in Canada, we sold a lot of PPE, less so in in the U.S. Our growth in the U.S. did not come from from PPE; it came from premium products, which yeah. is what people were buying uh, in 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 a lot of cases throughout pandemic. So we got lucky. I mean, we we count ourselves very fortunate. Uh, you know, yes, we bet on ourselves, but that could have gone sideways and sideways in a hurry. Um, you know, and and I think. The one thing coming out of that is, you know, don't take anything for granted because you do not know what what's going to come next, right? Whether it's another pandemic or some some something else, uh, you know, count your lucky stars. Hundred percent, hundred percent. How are things in Canada economic wise? Uh, you know what? It's 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 a challenge, just like it is in the United States. You know, we the the Inflation is, is a real risk, uh, but I, I don't think there's a, a, a serious fear of sort of runaway inflation now. It's kind of cooled. I, it sounds like it's cooling a little bit or it looks like it's cooling in the United States as well. We just the bank federal, uh, the central bank just increased interest rates by a half a point. So the fact that it wasn't one or two points was was encouraging because it looks like maybe there's the, that's the end of the uh, the increase in, in, in interest rates. But um the, the promotional products industry in, in some cases is not immune, but it's so diversified that, yes, you know, some industries are doing bad. Some sectors are doing bad. Tech is struggling, but others are doing really well. Oil and gas is doing really well, uh, for example. So so we've been able to maintain pretty steady growth on both sides of the border as a as a as a result of the diversity the d- diversified sort of customer base in the promotional products industry but i don't i don't think there's any you know serious fears of a of a of a large scale recession uh which is which was a big fear for us both in canada and the united states uh, at this at this point anyways but again as i said expect expect the unexpected there's one thing that's always constant and that is change right so you have to be willing to evolve with it or 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 not (laughs) that's a scarier proposition i believe you know yeah Um, so here's a question for you since i'm a twin and you're a twin i have no idea if me and my brother were to work together that would be such a unique experience i bet scott's gonna have ptsd over here just thinking about <laughs> two what it would be like to have two i mean they put me in a padded room over here okay for my office <laughs> insane um, asylum yeah they called it a, a brand builders podcast studio but really they just put me in a padded room for, <laughs> for my office we, we all know we all know the trick that was played um but me and my brother you know we talk about i talk to him every day he he works at big ass fans he's been with them for a really long time um, but being a twin, people ask me all the time, what's it like being a twin? I'm like, and my answer is simple. What's it like not being a twin? Cause I don't really know what it's like not to have somebody that looks like me. I don't know what it's like right. not to be judged throughout your entire life on, you know, who had the, the, who was the best athlete, who had the hotter girlfriend, who got to the school bus quicker. I mean, it was everything. everything. We all know it was you, right? Yes, I it mean, was me. I won all of those, <laughs> but, but it's an interesting, you know, it's an interesting thing growing up with somebody that looks just like you. Right. And I think, you know, there's any twin out there will probably tell you that it it made them a better person. It made them closer to somebody that you can't really explain, but ultimately with me and my brother, it's challenged us to challenge each other to be better. Right. And now I don't work with him. I'm not with him every single day, but you are. So I'd love to just know from a personal standpoint, what's it like uh, from your perspective being a twin and what's it like working with your twin in the family business? Well, I mean, as you know, uh, 
having a twin or, or, you know, being in a family run business in some cases is a blessing. There's also some, some challenges associated with that as well, but there is something that unless, unless you're a twin, you, you just can't, you can't understand it. You can't grasp it. And, and the best sort of way that I can articulate it is we, we did play sports together and particularly hockey for a long time. And the ability to make a pass without looking because you know he's going to be there. Uh, and that's something that you really only get if, if you're a twin. Yes, I played with some players for a long time, but I never knew for sure where they were going to be, but I always knew where Sean was going to be. Uh, and, you, and I think you only get that. I don't want to call it psychic, whatever, because I don't believe in that. But it's a, it is a connection that you can't really put your finger on. Um, in, the, in the early stages of, of our careers, there was definitely more friction, right? Because you're jockeying for position, you're, you're, you're fighting over roles, you're, you're trying to, you know, prove yourself, which is, which is also a challenge in a family-owned and operated business. And, and I think that's part of the reason that Sean and I have, have um, we, we, we think we've done a good job, is you hold yourself to a higher standard. Um, but I think as we progressed in our careers, and things became a little bit more stratified. Uh, it we kind of settled into our roles, and now we work very, very well together. I talk with him every single day. We're buddies, uh, and that friction has has is is no longer there, not at all. Uh, and we work very, very well together. I respect him as a as a person and as a professional to do his job. I need him to do his job well, in order for me to do my job well, and vice versa. So I think we built up that that mutual respect and there's there's no animosity uh and certainly no jockeying for positions we know where we stand in the organization now i love it yeah that's awesome dude do you guys uh I'll, I'll, this is funny people always ask me like do you do you know what your brother's thinking right and i'm like no and then like two seconds later he'll start like singing a song and it's the exact song i'm thinking about and it could be something from like 20 <laughs> years ago and you're just like damn that shit's it's like a weird sense, as right? hell yeah, yeah. But it yeah. is it is sort of like that. Like you said, you could play with a, a player for ten years, and you might not know exactly where he is, but you knew where Sean was, yeah. right? Well, I mean, it's we so don't. Crazy. We don't. I mean, I don't know what he's doing right now. There's a good chance I probably know what he's thinking about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's like you can't do it on the spot, but it happens, right? Like, here's a great example. So, my brother lives in, and I, I believe your brother does not live in Vancouver, right? Yeah, he does now. Oh, he, he lives does. in Toronto. Oh, yes. The house I'm in right now, I bought from him. Oh, nice. Okay. So so that was the story. So he did live in a different city. So with my brother being in Lexington, there could it, the randomest thing, I'll be thinking about something and then he'll call me and he'll literally talk about exactly what I was thinking, right? Or I'm going to pick up the phone to call him and before I can even push send, I'm getting a call. And you're like, "Damn, this shit's Yeah, weird. I mean, the the one thing one thing I will say is we sort of respond to external events I w the same way. So if we're in a room and somebody says something, I'll look at him and I'll be like, yeah, I know exactly what you're thinking. And that, <laughs> that, that is, and, and, and that's a cool experience, right? And that's something, yeah, you kind of pick up on it if it's just, you know, your brother or your sister and you're not twins. But when you're really, when you're twins, no words even need to be spoken, right? It's mm -hmm. like, yep. I know exactly what you're thinking, just like I know exactly where you're going to be on the ice. Uh, mm -hmm. And, and uh, you know, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a really interesting dynamic in, in, a, in a corporate space, especially when you're working for the same company, right? Because if I need something done, he knows how it needs to be done, how I would need it to be done, and vice versa. So that's, that's become a, 
what used to be a, 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 a source of animosity has become a, a, a very powerful tool in the tool belt when it comes to us working together. And you can blame him if something goes wrong. Like, <laughs> exactly. Well, that was Sean. Yeah. That wasn't me. <laughs> like we had video you footage. Thinking? You're like, that was not me. That's my twin brother. <laughs> I always love that. So, well, this has been awesome, man. You, um, you guys have done a great job. I love the story. I, and I, I really do love your commitment to the industry, commitment to providing a, amazing you know, product. And, and even if you listen to your vision, every experience elevated by exceptional apparel. And, and that's you know, what our, our clients want. It's what they deserve. It's what our industry deserves. It, what's, it's what your logo deserves. Um, and to be able to have partners like yourself that are continuing to evolve and produce that is 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 awesome, man. I, I can't wait to continue to follow the journey and can't wait to to continue to grow with you guys. Likewise. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yes, sir. Scott, Brian, thanks. Thanks. Always so great to catch up with you guys. I'm looking forward to catching up with you guys and perhaps having a fine for two down in uh, in Dallas. But I really appreciate you having me on the on the podcast here today and uh, hope to talk to you guys again soon. I love it, man. Yes, Thank sir. you so much. Your your family, I'm sure your father's very proud. I'm sure your your family's very proud. Uh, and as somebody in this industry, I can tell you distributors are very proud of what you guys are doing and you make our life easier. Your team's incredible. Sabrina, big shout out. You're awesome. You make my life easy. And when you make my life easy, it makes me want to sell it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's just that's the true. bottom line. Like that yeah, that's true. how it is. So um, just continue, you know, success. Well, like I said, we're on the journey with you and hopefully uh, we'll continue to grow with you and uh, just look forward to, to everything that you guys are, are producing. And hey, we'll see you in, in Dallas in a, a few weeks. Thank yeah. you so much. Kyle, appreciate you. Uh, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for carving out some time, man. We know you're a busy dude. And uh, of course. your brand's awesome, dude. That Thank is. you very much. Good to see you, buddy. And uh, talk soon. Absolutely. Until next, until next time, you've been listening to this episode of the Brand Builders Podcast. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.